Well, that's fun. Yeah, it was fun. It was super fun. I just had to wait at home. (laughs) Poor Jeremy was stuck in fucking Cleveland of all places. (laughs) Like, I'm sorry. Like, going on a business trip is like, and it's just like, you're exhausted, you just want to get home. Yep. (laughs) And that. You smell like airports and people, which is a horrible combination. Um, and yeah, and now he's sick. Not COVID, oh, just COVID, no. but he's still sick. Yeah. Ugh. I was like, ah, I love you, but stay away from me. <laughs> I don't want it. I haven't had a cold in like three years. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Gonna do some it. Things, some, yeah. <laughs> <gonna> <laughs> Welcome back to the Human Exception. This week, Nathan's gonna tell you about one of the largest heists in Canadian history. And it wasn't gold, and it wasn't money or jewelry. It was nearly twenty million dollars of maple syrup. As always, expect foul language, and then let's get ready for another Human Exception. <laughs> We probably should start with Nathan's. Sweet. Which is his thing's really fucking random. You're gonna love it. Oh Great. God! I automatically I'm like, what is it? What is it? What is it? <laughs> <laughs> um, but you had a thing that you wanted to cover, right, Hallie? Did you want to do that first, or? Um, I can. I don't think there's really any order to it. Um, <laughs> I. Yeah, sure. Why not? I just wanted to mention because I guess the announcement of her death came out today, but she passed away a few right. days ago. Um, as far as the date of this recording, which is March seventh. Um, but Judith uh, Human, who was a um, really kind of like the champion for uh, disability and human rights, um, I think probably in the world. Uh, just passed away. So I wanted to mention her. It's interesting. Um, I was actually talking about her at work uh, with some folks who all, you know, know who she is. And um, it was one of those things where I was like, gosh, I don't know if people know who she is. Do Did either of you know her name before I mentioned it? Not at all. No. But I'm out of touch with a lot of things. <laughs> Hey, no, 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 no. It's um, it's that's that's totally fair. So I just I just thought it might be worth mentioning, um, because she did some incredible stuff, and it's only really been in the last few years that her name has become wildly um like widely known, and that was due to a oh, where's my note? I missed the wrong thing. Oh yeah, it was due to a documentary that came out in 2020, and I'm just gonna say the name of the documentary. Please understand that it was made by disabled people. Um, it's called Crip Camp. 
um, about her time at Camp Jeanette, which was a summer camp for disabled people. It was one of the first ones of its kind in the U.S. Um, and not a... Um, <laughs> it wasn't meant to pawn people off. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It was actually there to, uh, help, people. to help people. And, yeah, and give them a sense of community and, and that kind of thing. So her name really got widely known because of that. But, you know, she had a memoir. Um, she's written all these books. She worked with both uh, President Clinton and President Obama uh, on different committees and councils to kind of spread ideas about civil and disability rights around the world. Um, she was part of a bunch of landmark protests during the 1970s that put her in the mix with Black civil rights activists, the women's movement, anti-Vietnam War protesters. Um, they shut down rush hour traffic on Madison Avenue outside President Nixon's re-election campaign headquarters, <laughs> uh, which is badass. Uh, they took over a federal building in San Francisco over 26 days in 1977. Damn. I know. I was like, we need to be paying attention to what historically was done. Although, unfortunately, I feel like you couldn't do that now. If you a lot of things, it'd be a lot harder to do now for sure. Yeah, yeah I, I just keep thinking about the whole January 6th thing. I'm like, yeah, sure. If you look like a white redneck, you could probably get away with doing shit like that. If you're rolling around in a uh, in a wheelchair, or you clearly have a disability or you're uh, shockingly enough, someone who isn't white, you'd probably get arrested on the spot. It just yeah. it just wouldn't happen nowadays. But um, yeah, she did. She did all of this amazing work um and a lot of what she and the groups that she was a part of or the one like she co-founded which is called disabled in action still persists to this day um they actually helped uh to get into i guess really to get onto the president's desk the rehabilitation act and then a an amendment to that which was called section 504 that did eventually provide uh, protections to disabled people instead of just increasing the budget for these minuscule programs. Um, but all of that would eventually get rolled into what is now known as the ADA or the Americans with Disabilities Act, which was signed in 1990. I'm like, oh, my God. That's so recent. That is so yeah. recent. I was five years old. That's just fucked up. That's fucked up that it took that long. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to mention her. She did podcasts. She did uh, Zoom speeches. She did all of these things. And um, when I was looking at, like, uh, I have a couple of sources, NPR article. The ACLU had a nice article on her. Um, she was saying that we're simmering to a boil, she liked to say, about seeing her work for disability civil rights movement spread into the mainstream and across the globe. And I see that as both a positive thing and a negative thing, because clearly, why would we want, you know, disabled people to have the same rights as anyone else? <laughs> really frustrating. I so, we want that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I, I really do recommend her memoir. I've read it. Um, it's called Being Human. Her last name is spelled H-E-U-M-A-N-N, -N, just for anyone who looks her up. That really was her last name. Um, and it. I, it's excellent. I was like, yes, please. That is amazing. You were clearly meant to to do this kind of work. Um, 
But the subtitle on it was An Unrepentant Memoir of a Disability Rights Activist. Um, she seemed to be a very humble person, despite all of the things that she did. So I just wanted to mention that because I, I think people like that, like uh, Dr. Silverstein, who we talked about before, has been on my mind a lot. So just wanted to bring her up in the um, in the space of human and civil rights. Absolutely. For sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it feels like we're losing everybody lately. <laughs> it's yeah. really kind of fucking buck wild, yeah. And I apologize for my deeply froggy voice where I have allergies going on. I'm so sorry. I just realized oh, it's all I fun. sounded like that. <laughs> I don't think anyone's here for the audio quality. <laughs> Fan-fucking-tastic. That's just great. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I didn't even notice, so you're fine. Yep. Oh, good, because I feel like I am vomiting up frogs every time I speak, so. has got to be a spell for that. <laughs> that would be a great spell, actually, yeah. That would be Bum pretty dope. frogs. Just incapacitate your enemy, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess Nathan, take us away. Okay, so I got a question for you guys. Um, what would you think is the some of the most valuable in terms of like market price? We'll say uh, commodities in the world. Gold. Wait. Um, whatever the metal is that's used in computer chips, I can't think of it right now. Fair. Yep. Um. So let's think more. Okay. Comparison. What do you think the average barrel of oil goes for right now? Right now. Yeah. A lot. I don't know. $60? <laughs> a little bit more than that. Um, okay. A U.S. barrel of crude goes for uh, around uh, 83 bucks on average. Okay. Um, now, if I was to ask you what a barrel, a same size barrel, we're talking 205 liters of maple syrup goes for how much do you think oh my god <laughs> at least 10 times that uh you would be correct but it is much more oh god um, <laughs> so as of 2019 uh the latest information that i was able to find a bottle uh, sorry not a bottle a barrel of maple syrup was just under $2,000 US per barrel. Fucking hell. In today's prices, that would be around, for in today's prices, Canadian, that would be around $26 to $2,700 per barrel. 
or maple syrup. That was Canadian maple syrup worth more than, than American maple syrup? Um, actually, the, the interesting thing about this is that Canada produces, um, by the most recent numbers, around 80% of all of the maple syrup worldwide. Damn. Um, Holy crap. Yeah. So like I knew we were in that game. I didn't think we were winning it, though. <laughs> yeah, seriously, y'all. Dang. <laughs> uh, in, in 2017, uh, World Atlas did a... Um, did it basically uh, a survey, figured out um, what everyone was producing. And Quebec alone... Uh, 7.98 million gallons of maple syrup. The next most, um, the next biggest producer doesn't even come close, and it's Vermont okay. with under 900,000 gallons. Oh my god. <laughs> Uh, and then we have Ontario, which is half of that at 400. Um, New York, Maine, and then New Brunswick here in Canada, uh, all at about 300,000 gallons apiece. Um, and then everyone else, like Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Nova Scotia, Massachusetts, Connecticut, out of the, these are the tw top 12 and obviously the most prominent producers of. Uh, maple syrup, all less than a hundred thousand gallons. <laughs> My gosh! So, uh, <laughs> this is this whole thing is fucking wild to me. Uh, I knew that Canada was sort of the the foremost. Um authority i guess uh the biggest producer of uh, of maple syrup it seems super stereotypical right like <laughs> it's on our flag so it's on our it's on our flag um i mean my American friends joke around and call us syrup suckers. Like what? <laughs> I have never heard that. Heard that. <laughs> um, so like, oh my God. <laughs> it tracks. Uh, and so <laughs> as uh... such, obviously, you would think that, um, you know where. We're good Canadians. We're we try and we try and like share the wealth a bit. Not so much. Fortunately, capitalism is alive and well in the maple syrup market, even in Canada. Um, now, oh. if one was uh, to ask. Well, how does the industry work in Canada? 
interestingly enough, we have a federation of maple syrup producers. <laughs> I'm picturing um I'm picturing a union, but okay. It yeah, you're not you're not wrong. It is it is a union of about 17 sorry, 7300 um businesses across Canada. Um they the union together the, this federation is federally backed okay. so they are a government sanctioned conglomerate basically that sp- sets the price of maple syrup um in uh in the year 2000 because demand between the 90s and 2000 uh, sorry, 1990 and 2000, demand worldwide for maple syrup started spiking. Uh, in 2000, they decided that they needed a federal reserve. So, maple syrup. Oh my god. Of maple syrup. I freaking love it. Okay. And I was researching when I was researching this earlier. I was, I was like, none of this sounds real <laughs> it would like, be a great concept for um god i cannot think of the uh filmmaker's name right now but um oh my god what the hell is his name that's going to drive me nuts now um the guy who did the grand budapest Oh, um, Wes Anderson? Yeah, yeah. It sounds like a Wes Anderson movie. <laughs> that would be an it really fucking Wes sounds movie. like a, all I could think was Rian Johnson, and I'm like, that's not right. So it's no. <laughs> um, and it, it, it's this whole thing isn't is insane, and I'm I'm really having I'm really struggling to keep a straight face while telling you guys any of this. Um, <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> So, let me, sorry, I'm getting all of the messages. I forgot to mute, mute people. Okay. Oh, no. <laughs> um, so, the Federation itself uh, is, again, a, a conglomerate. It is a... Um, it's like a, it is an umbrella under which all of the maple syrup producers must abide 100%. Okay. So it is again, like I said, backed by the government. Um, the government said you have license to scoop everyone up, figure out your shit and we in the world will abide by your rules essentially um because we are canada is the largest producer of maple syrup we also kind of determine the pricing of uh of what's going on 
Um, and that comes from <laughs> the the fluctuation of maybe we have low years, maybe we have a big boom of years. Um, to put it into perspective, um, I believe in 2021, maple syrup heart the maple syrup harvest was really low uh to the point where they actually had to release 50 percent of the reserve um desperate times desperate times <laughs> 45 45 countries want our product damn um, it's a lot damn uh now I gotta, I gotta tell you the, tell you the number. Um, <laughs> the reserve always has, um, or or tries to always have, uh, thirty million dollars worth of maple syrup in the hopper to just be able to distribute. Um, emergency maple syrup. Emergency maple syrup. Sorry, I think I misread that. Um, 30 million kilos. So... Oh my god. Yeah, they... Oh, that's like... That's a lot. That's so um, many! In, uh, in 2020, uh, they had about double that because they released 50% which which ended up being about 50 million pounds of syrup uh, because they were expecting a shortfall uh, in production so that was half of its stockpile 50 million pounds that is insane that is um, insane oh my god <laughs> To give you guys a bit of an idea as to the, the the regulations around being a maple syrup producer are super strict. Um, they're pretty insane. To give you an idea as to what happens is when you're a producer, you are expected to give um, basically your whole crop to the reserve. And then what happens is the reserve will pay you for that crop. The issue with this is that as a producer, you could be producing whatever you are, but the, uh, the Federation itself usually pays people back in like in waves. So no one is ever getting their full amount right away. So being a maple a maple syrup producer is kind of a shit deal because there is this as as we also refer to it very publicly this cartel of <laughs> of maple syrup that deals to the rest of the world manages the pricing, but then also says, well, fuck you to all of the producers. Um, now, if you were a producer, you would think, 
well, fuck these guys. I don't want to deal with them. I'm just going to sell directly to my store. Now, when you become a producer in Canada, you actually have to abide by the um, maple syrup producers whole thing. And the government backs them. So you don't really have a way to skirt around it. Because of this, there is obviously a maple syrup black market. <laughs> yep. It's like truffles. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. Ooh. And there is a big truffle black market, which we will have to talk about at some point because <laughs> this stuff around food is so wild. It's insane. <laughs> so at one point, um, one woman, uh, and I'm just trying to find my new notes here because I'm wildly all, all over the place. Um, uh, a woman from Quebec uh, named uh, Angelica uh, Grenier uh, decided that she was fed up with uh, FPAC, as they call them, um, okay. and their conditions, and decided that she was just going to sell her stock directly to a distributor in New Brunswick. Um, oh, this, snap, lady. Yeah. Uh, this was considered, obviously, a black market transaction. Um, and the police got involved, and then FPAC got involved. And what happened after was they seized all of her stock, all of her product. Oh, snap. And then slapped her with a $500,000 fine. Ooh. Holy fucking shit. Yeah. Fucking major cartels not fucking around. Damn. She appealed uh, and managed to bring her case up to the Canadian Supreme Court. But then at that point, they're like, now nah, we don't want to hear it. Fuck off. Uh, so then she had to close up shop. That time. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. So over the years, basically, FPAC has been um, so basically price fixing, supply fixing. Um, the fact that they are super influential, um, obviously, they have been buying into, as you would, uh, into politics. Um, and so they benefit. The government obviously benefits. Uh, folks like us get fucked. Um, <laughs> so, the black market situation has obviously, in a lot of ways, come to... Kind of come to a head, I guess. Uh, people are still involved in it. It's still going on. Um, one of my friends uh, just mentioned that... Uh, when he was in Boston, someone was busted with black market maple syrup. <laughs> like when he was living there. Uh, and I, and I always forget like, oh yeah. Okay. Well that makes sense. Like, well, no shit. 
Um, now, obviously, what is what does all of this setup have to do with anything? You might ask. Well, let me tell you <laughs> about no. the infamous maple syrup heist. Yes, uh, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Oh my gosh. So, in 2011, um, there was a boom. 2010-2011. Uh, um, Canada had something between like a 75 to 90% surplus of maple syrup. And to give you guys a, a, a perspective of how maple syrup is tapped, they obviously go up with a fucking tap, hammer it into the, uh, into a tree and unload into a bucket. However, to make sure they're not killing their maple trees, they are only allowed to take one to one and a half liters per tree per year to get their supply. Otherwise, you completely sap all of the nutrients from the tree. It can't get any of those proper sugars that it would um, convert into its energy to grow. So, you have to think, only one and a half liters per tree per year. How many taps do you have to have across the country? Oh my gosh. I... <laughs> My math shorts out at about four number placements, so... <laughs> yeah, so um, at, at one point, they added about five million taps to become the, the biggest producer because of, at one point, they were afraid that international um, producers would eke into the market and take their spot. I don't think there's any fear of that anymore. It, so I don't know if this comes up or if I just if it just flew over my head. Um, yeah. The, when you say this is my tree. Yeah. I'm going to tap it for maple yeah. syrup. Is that like a land claim? Uh, I would assume um and I, I actually didn't look into that. Uh, however, I would expect that you would you would buy up the land around these trees. And then tap the okay. and then tap it. Yeah. So it's not just yeah, because that's the only thing. It's funny because I, I again was thinking about the whole truffle thing. It's a different situation there because they could pop up anywhere you know where the conditions are correct but it could be on someone else's land yeah and so people go in and like fucking take them out of the ground and steal them in the dead of night like they're some kind of goddamn ninja thieves <laughs> it's so weird 
Um, okay, <laughs> I so it. I was just like, I wonder if someone was like, okay, I have this land, I have so many taps. Let's say I've got like 500 taps or whatever. I'm gonna go yeah. buy Jimmy Jam's land over here because he's got more trees. I'm gonna take all those. I got you. So it's yeah. just land barons. That's all it is. It's just oh, land yeah. barons. Hundred percent. That's some yeah. bullshit. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> um. Okay, so, um, they got a lot more out of their, uh, out of their yield in the year than they were expecting. Um, so, that being said, the reserves, uh, sorry, the, the Federation has, um, all of these warehouses that they already use to store their their barrels hundreds of thousands of barrels like just massive fucking stacks and stacks of barrels and i had a picture somewhere and i can't find it um but it was intense um i would love to see that truck going down the highway right <laughs> mommy what's that oh that's our golden oil there honey that's <laughs> yes that is literally <laughs> it um Oof. it so at the um it, they had to rent out a couple other warehouses so where they rent out in this place in uh in a small town in Quebec is this industrial park and anyone who is associated with uh, FPAC knows that the main reserve um, warehouses are heavily secured. There are cameras everywhere, security guards, you name it. It is the Fort Knox of Canada. Um, however, in typical fashion of wanting to save money and wanting to be quiet about whatever the fuck they were doing, they just rent out a couple of warehouses in this industrial park and don't tell anyone about it. They just put a couple guards there. They don't put up any more cameras, nothing. It is severely unsecure. And when people come in and say, well, uh, that's not great. You're putting your, your product at risk. They're like, yeah, whatever. Um, so, and, and this is, sorry, this is where I got confused. The, the additional barrels that were at that warehouse added up to over 30 million dollars worth of oh. of maple syrup. Oh my God. So uh this gentleman uh his name was Richard Vallet. <clears throat> he worked in this uh in this industrial park. He was well known among certain groups as a quote quote barrel roller. Um, who basically a person who would, um, get their hands on 
barrels of maple syrup and transport them, sell them on the black market. He noticed that as he's working in this industrial uh, <laughs> in this industrial park, that well shit, FPAC is here. Signature white unmarked uh, barrels all stacked up neatly. I know there's syrup in there. Well, let's figure this out. So he gets some friends and slowly but surely he starts funneling out syrup. Putting them in his own barrels. Returning the barrels um, that he had emptied full of water Back into this, uh, my god, into this warehouse. <clears throat> I ain't even mad. <laughs> I need this movie so badly. <laughs> <laughs> this happens for 10 months before they're caught. What? <laughs> oh my god, 10 months. 10 months you know after yeah. month two i'd have gone full cocky and just been like well just stroll right <laughs> go grab it at one point they are caught by a security guard who reports back to its to their supervisor at fpac and the supervisor drugs it off and bribes the guy to keep his mouth shut. Oh, I wonder what that bribe was. Do you know how much it was? I don't. Ah, oh, I would love to know what that was. But it was like one of those things, well, I don't want to deal with this, right? Yeah. Just yeah. shut up. You know. Um, too much paperwork. <laughs> too much paperwork. So they continue stealing these barrels. Um... Over 10 months, and the numbers kind of fluctuate a little bit on this, but they they say that they ended up taking anywhere from 2,700 tons to 3,300 tons oh of maple syrup. The final numbers are pretty accurate, are, are the same across the board at 18... Almost $19 million worth of maple syrup. That's how much they took over 10 months. Holy crap. <laughs> so, this guy knows his business pretty well. He offloads the maple syrup between different areas of Canada and the U.S., um, selling to distributors um, within the areas, including Vermont and Massachusetts, um, splitting up all of this maple syrup and setting it out in sections. Now, the fun part is, eventually, uh, as is customary, an inspector rolls into the warehouse. And somewhere along the line, Richard or one of his 17 accomplices 
um, fucks up. They forget to fill one or more of these barrels with water. Oh, come on. And when you have a barrel like that, it's pretty light. Like, if you stand on it, it's going to shift. Um, if it's full of water, if it's full of maple syrup, it's not going anywhere. Right. So, this inspector is like, well, I have to climb up and I have to climb across all of these barrels to inspect them, but it's fine if they're all full. It's, it's, oh a, it's a pretty safe climb. Well, mm -hmm. he gets up there and he almost loses his footing and falls because there's nothing in this fucking barrel. So now they've got a bigger issue on their hands. Well, there's an empty barrel here. What the fuck is this for? They open it up. Nothing in it. Just like leftover maple syrup residue. Um, that's a problem. And they start opening up other barrels. And it's water. <laughs> so then the police are called in. Then there's an official official investigation. They eventually catch this guy. Um, and here here's where um, a couple things differ, but most places that I've seen said they managed to recover about two-thirds of the supply that they took. What? However, there is one... Um, there's one account that says they only recovered uh, 450 tons, which is definitely not two-thirds at all. Um, <laughs> so, I don't know how much, but all in all, supposedly, this guy managed to sell off $10 million worth of syrup. Now, when it was brought to the courts, only this one person, only Richard, was slapped with the fine. Or he was like, either you pay this fine, or you go to jail for six years. Your call. Well, I'm going to take the fine. Okay, well, the fine's $9 million, so have fun with that. Holy now... Um, the, I think it was the, the province of Quebec, which is a really weird, like, situation, um, allowed him to appeal the $9 million. And basically the lawyer and everyone involved was like, well, let's see what his, you know, let, let's see what his average income is and what his expenses are. And like $9 million is pretty steep for a guy that can't really afford it. So, you know, we're going to, we're, we're okay with this. Like you, you can, you can get off with like, uh, with a million dollars. No, no big deal. You know, uh, just, just go out there. Um, and then <laughs> the Canadian Supreme court steps in and says, okay, well, hold on a fucking second. If you 
reduce his fine from $9 million to $1 million, then you're basically saying that there's a legitimacy to the fact that he's saying that you as a federation and us as a partner of the federation are in the wrong based on how we decide to charge people worldwide and in our own country for the prices of maple syrup and the fact that we are basically a maple syrup monopoly. So we are going to uphold the $9 million. So please go fuck yourself and pay the money. So that, um, that rejection of the, uh, of the appeal only happened last year. Wow. Gosh. Um, so this guy has been in like, I guess because of the appeal, he probably hasn't been paying a whole lot to this thing. Right. But yeah, that is the maple syrup heist. Um, and like, there is so much, there's so much about like what goes on with, with people with like the whole maple syrup thing. I love maple syrup. It's great. It's delicious. Um, yeah. But also, it's kind of fucked up how they treat people who just kind of want to make a living and you know know how to know how to produce the stuff and right. and whatnot. Like, right. I'm sure. Obviously, it's not the only big, um, like over like committee oversight committee. I guess you could refer to them as that says you have to abide by all of these rules or we're going to slap you with this fine anything you do outside is considered black market like but in particular this seems super extreme um yeah especially for what everyone's view is on canada which by the way folks uh I'm going to really ruin your view of Canada in the next couple of uh, of episodes <laughs> uh, for stuff that I'm working on. So get ready to be also super unhappy with not just shit going on in the U.S., but also how Canada deals with bullshit. Um, oh, did, did y'all kill a bunch of indigenous people, too, and take over their land? Great. Oh, well, fucking yes. 100%. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, except this time it's, uh, I'm, cause I've been reading the book, uh, Policing Black Lives. It is all about, yes. um, black folk in, uh, in Canada and holy fucking shit. It is super depressing and I want to share that with you guys. So, you know, <laughs> um, also just as an aside, or I guess as an addition to the um maple syrup goodness there is an episode of dirty money on netflix <clears throat> that covers this uh, i haven't seen it yet uh i did come across it in uh in my research but obviously this was sort of last minute research i was definitely not prepared for our sunday recording and this was <laughs> like a two day quick thing um but I will also be checking that out. Uh, apparently, it's got a lot of really interesting insight into FPAC um, 
and how they sort of deal with their producers as well and you know what their like oversight really looks like in Canada um and obviously you know why we as Canadians refer to them as more of a cartel than anything else uh, so yeah yeah jeez that is uh, wild mhm yep what <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> All right, um, if we can just pause for a second. The cat will eat my face tonight if I don't go give her whatever it is that she wants. So yeah, go to it. She is. Uh, she came in here and immediately started beatboxing on a box that I have and haven't broken down yet. <laughs> and I was like, all right, all right, I get it, I get it. Like That's it for this week. Next week we return where Holly tells us about disposing of your dead. And by that I mean cemeteries. Graveyards are rich with cultural history and tell us a lot about days past and really deserve more attention. Then I will be telling you about a six and a half foot tall murder bird. No, I will not elaborate on that any further. Just as a heads up, for the next couple weeks, Courtney may not be around. Um, she's not dead. She's just preparing to move, which sometimes can be worse. But don't worry, she'll be back soon. As always, links, pictures, and additional information can be found at our website at thehumanexception.com. To keep up with all things exceptional, be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at thehumanexception. Have a story you want us to cover? Want to tell us that we're wrong? You just want to come say hi? You can email us at thehumanexception at gmail.com. And you want to get on the fun? You can come join us on our Discord server. The link can be found on our contact page. Keep on being exceptional, my humans, and have a wonderful weekend. <laughs> <laughs>